welcome back to the Acting Podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, Act Two is a network and a support group for everyday working screenwriters. This podcast is just one of the many initiatives that we do. So thank you for joining us here. You can do all the things that podcasts say to do. You can subscribe, rate, tell a friend, comment. You can be honest. It's okay. Uh, we're writers. Our feelings are very tender, though. Um, if you would rather DM us, you can with questions, topics, suggestions. You can reach out to us there at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram and Twitter at act2writers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm on the things too. We should do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Story Thursday on Instagram and Tasha 3.0 on Twitter. And I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. Do you have a This Week in Writing? My This Week in Writing is that I'm really stressed out. Is that a This Week in Writing? Yeah, tell us about it. Well. Okay, so I'll go now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, go, go. Let's hear about it. I don't know. I mean, I... Uh, I have two, two scripts, movie scripts due this week. Mm -hmm. I have Tomb Raider to revise because I've been told I need to cut two minutes. <laughs> so if you, if you need to cut two pages off of something you've already trimmed to what you feel is the, like, the tightest script you can manage, and then you get an email saying, yeah, we need to cut two minutes off of your scripts, that's a rough email to get, and that's, that's due today as well. And then oh, is it? I, uh, I'm jumping into a writer's room <laughs> in a few hours as well. So, um, you know, yeah. it's fine. It's going to be totally fine. I will say you are the busiest person I know. I think this is an apropos thing to say because we're about to talk about Taiko Waititi today, who is known as the busiest man in Hollywood at the moment. You have a lot going on. So I'm just going to remind you that you have a lot going on. So Thank you. Honestly, it helps to be like, oh, yeah, it's it's Okay. To, to freak out, you're freaking out for a reason or, um, you know, you just keep your head down and it'll get done. And it's a temporary thing. It is, that's, I think that's what I was trying to say. It's early in the morning and my brain wasn't there, but it is a temporary thing. And it's yeah. going to be over soon. And then yeah. you're going to be like, dang, I wish I was busier. Yeah, I know. I hate, I, that's the other part, the flip side that you hate. Someone uh, this week, a producer was like, oh man, you know, you're the, the most consistently working writer I know. And I took that as like, oh my God. This is a producer who works with a lot of writers, and the majority of writers he knows don't work mm -hmm. frequently. <laughs> like yeah. that's just because that is our uh, status quo as writers. You often don't have work for long periods of time. Yeah. And so yeah, you just knock on all the wood and are grateful for the stress. Yeah, totally. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's a. It's like the yeah. best problem to have as a writer. Yeah, for sure. I have not really a this week in writing, but something happened yesterday. It's kind of a this week in writing. Okay. I made my daughter Amelia watch The Fugitive with me. Oh, wow. Is and, that too early to watch The Fugitive? Well, yeah. She's six. She's six. And Nicole, my wife, walked in the room and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, she's <laughs> watching The Fugitive. <laughs> and I happened, to, I happened to start it. It was like right before Harrison Ford lunges out of the the thing into the water that yeah. in hindsight he definitely would have died from, mm -hmm. which by the way, they call attention to. And I actually thought that was That's really right. interesting in The Fugitive because it was like, ah, oh, this guy's dead for sure. Yeah. And everyone else is like, he's dead, except for 
Tommy Lee Jones, who's like, well, if he's dead, it won't be hard to find him. Yeah. Oh, he's Jesus so good Christ. in that movie. Was, was that Tommy? That was <laughs> no, I, I heard it. I heard it in there. <laughs> Check every outhouse. And so, um, uh, so I was like, Amelia, we're watching this. And yeah. But then Nicole was upset because she was like, well, it's too early. And then she was, she said, oh, this is like when my dad made me watch Charles Bronson movies when I was a kid. And I was like, what? What the fuck? And then, and then I realized, I was like, oh my God, I've turned into like an old guy who's sitting his daughter yeah. down to make her watch. I was like, this is Harrison Ford. You're going to respect him. Love this man. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. That's exactly what it is. But I'm, I'm on board with it. The, yeah. She needs a Harrison Ford education. And I was like, you don't understand. You're watching Indiana Jones play a fugitive. But she was really into it and Aww. taking her out of it. The Fugitive holds up. It's a yeah. really, really good movie, and it's really compelling. And there's a ton. I was thinking, you know, now I watch these things from a screenwriting perspective. But like, there's moments where he's he's obviously, hey, by the way, spoiler alert from a 30 year old movie. You know, he's trying to solve the mystery of who killed his wife, and along the way of this game in Cat and Mouth Mouse with Tommy Lee Jones, you know, he he's doing all these different things, but he's like helping people. And there was a scene where he helps somebody in a hospital. He saves a kid's yeah. life. And it's all of these little moments that it, it just made the character that much better. And it made yeah. Tommy Lee Jones start to believe him. And it, and it was a good lesson in screenwriting and watching these things where it was like, oh, clearly he's innocent. And now he's convincing everyone he's innocent. And it's just like this masterclass of a movie. I yeah, it. I mean, there's a Jason Statham version of that movie somewhere, right? Where it's just a man on the run doing yeah. cool shit, trying to survive. But that is a very character-driven movie. And I've watched it fairly recently, like within the last five years, as a uh, a model when I was trying to do like a, an on-the-run kind of story. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like it's what I re remembered about it, or remarking about it rather, was how simple plastic it was in the mm -hmm. best way and i think maybe that's why it holds up it's the the beats aren't complicated by tech or by anything that's like um of the moment like from the i guess that was like an early 90s movie maybe uh it's it's just it's very simple and it it, it probably holds up because those beats are so simple to get from point a to point b and it's so character driven it's yeah awesome. that movie's awesome i love yeah. it have you has she seen the Indiana Jones movies before this? Yes. I've made her watch some of it, but it's, it kind of creeps her out, honestly. So she's still, my yeah. daughter's a little soft. She's, she's, she's uh, a sensitive. She's <laughs> 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 a little sensitive. <laughs> she's not watching The Conjuring quite yet, but um, yeah. So there's things in I Indiana Jones. what it was. I was talking to your wife recently about Amelia and it was something about like a movie that you were showing her or that like she should be watching that I recommended and Nicole was like I feel like her brain hasn't quite like it's not <laughs> developed enough yet to achieve that and I could just see that being Nicole's point of view and you being yeah. like Air Force One <laughs> yeah <laughs> sit down Temple you're watching Doom. this yeah <laughs> welcome to the real world Amelia <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> Sit down and watch I this. Mean, I wonder if that's why I still have a fear that a shark is going to come out of a dark side of a pool because I watched that when I was six and my brain hadn't developed yet. <laughs> so it's funny you say that because 
we went to the academy, the that academy museum here in Los Angeles, which is amazing. And I was almost in tears because I was like walking around and Amelia was into it. But there's a huge uh, Jaws shark hanging from the ceiling. Oh God! And she she was like, "Oh, what the hell?" I was like, "That's Jaws. That's Bruce. You know, his name's Bruce." And like. Uh, and she was like, Jaws. I was like, do you want to watch Jaws? And there's all this like Jaws stuff. And she was like, okay, dad. I'm like, okay. And I told her, I was like, this movie still to this day has scared me. Like I, if I go into any deep water where I can't see anything, I'm, I'm about 98% sure a shark's coming. And so last night she wanted to watch Jaws. And even I was like, that might be crossing a line. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. But. (laughs) <laughs> you showed it to her anyway <laughs> but i did fire it up and i kind of let her watch some trailer moments and um we're gonna hold off on jaws for like another yeah. couple weeks yeah weeks <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah so that's that and so the fugitive holds up it's a character driven thing if you're looking if you're a writer you're working on a thriller i highly recommend watching the fugitive and show it to uh, your kids if you have one beautiful yeah that's it that's all I got, okay. Tasha. All right. Well, should we go into it? Yeah. A little like shot of inspiration. We're coming at you today. I feel I like this topic. I think so. I'm super inspired by this. Uh, today we are talking about Taika Waititi, one of the great filmmakers working right now, I think I could say. He's writer, director, producer, actor. He's won an Academy Award and WGA Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for Jojo Rabbit, which is amazing. If you want to go feel joy, go watch it. Oh, Have okay. you not seen it? You've seen it. Yeah. Okay. It's joyful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some like. sadness in it, but it's mostly joyful. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's been nominated for dozens of other projects that he has written, directed in, produced, and starred in. Reservation Dogs, What We Do in the Shadows, Flight of the Concords. He is great. And did you know his real name is Taika Cohen? I did not know that. Me neither. Wow. A little bit about him then, because I didn't know this stuff until we did this episode. Um, His mother is Jewish, mostly Russian, and a mix of European. His dad is Maori, and he identifies, he says, more with his Maori upbringing, because he was born and raised in New Zealand. And he didn't start making films until his late 20s, and up until then, he had just been a graphic artist, a musician, a comedian. He kind of did, again, a bunch of different things before he started making movies. And everyone right now, if you read anything about Taika, it's about how he's doing everything there is in Hollywood, basically. And he himself says that he says yes to everything and it's a problem. Um, (laughs) And he has this great quote where he says, sometimes I will wake up and be like, am I having a midlife crisis? Should I even be a filmmaker? Maybe I should have been a carpenter. Maybe I should just be a gardener. And I think that's a great quote only because Josh and I have this conversation with each other all the time. (laughs) It's just (laughs) part of the process. He also said that a big part of having so much to do is that he likes to keep moving and that actually helps him with his creativity because if he doesn't, he'll have a panic attack And unless he's like constantly pivoting to different projects, he kind of becomes stagnant, which I also feel is something that Josh and I can relate to and and how we function too. And I found that that sort of self-confession of his was really illustrated by this story from Kevin Feige that was in the New York Times, where he said that when they were on Ragnarok, Tycho would say things like, I'm just finishing this little thing on the side, but yeah, I'm here for Ragnarok, I'm here. And that little thing ended up being his movie, Hunt for the Wilder People. 
<laughs> and then while writing and developing the new Thor, he said he was just going to go do this small thing over in Manhattan Beach, which was Mandalorian, where he directed an episode. He voiced one of the characters and was nominated for that voice acting performance. And then he was like, oh, I'm just going to go to Hawaii for a few weeks. And Feige was like, oh, he's going on vacation. Like, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was actually going to film his new movie that's coming out next year, Next Goal Wins. And Feige said that, quote unquote, we were always on alert for Taika being spread too thin. We were very ready to be like, we're in the cutting room. It's 8 p.m. Where is he? But he was always sitting right next to us. Mm-hmm. So this guy just seems to have that missing piece of like, I can do everything and and be present for all of it. Because everywhere when you hear writers or creators who are working with him, they talk about how he's 100% there for that moment. And then he goes off to do another thing and he's 100% there. And that's really the key. And the thing I'm struggling with this week is being 100% in the project you're currently working on and then allowing yourself to step away completely yeah. and go on to another thing. It's something I hope to learn and, and do better at, but that's um, that's why this is inspiring because he seems to manage it. Even though I think from him, he would say he's not managing it. It sounds like from some of his quotes, he yeah. is as stressed as you could probably imagine. So given that context, we are going to talk about 10 pieces of screenwriting wisdom from Taika Waititi, which is a list that comes from our good friends over at ScreenCraft. Yes. Who did not tell us to do this, by the way, but they just throw out some really good lists sometimes. And we're they like, do. They're very good at lists. Hey, this is pretty good. And yeah, it is inspiring. I love, I love everything that you just said. I, and I feel like what I personally really like about him is whether or not you are into his movies or not, he has a vision, he has a style. And I think that goes a really long way when you're a creator because... It's not like he's doing a paint-by-number thing. He's fucking swinging for the fences at times. And uh, yeah. I yeah. really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And that's yeah. a big tone in, in the list we're about to go through in, in some of his quotes is very much swing for the fences. All right. So the first little piece of advice that he says is don't take it easy. There's a quote here that he says, the easy way ultimately becomes the hard way because you end up paying a price. You basically just make mediocre work. When you kind of force yourself to walk into a fire a bit and you're on your toes and you're trying to survive constantly, then you come up with great new ideas and you come up with more inventive solutions to the problem. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. I completely, why I kind of relate to him because I feel like a lot of creatives that I know are, they really excel when they're backed into a corner and they're like, yeah. oh my God, what am I doing with my, like, how do I get out of this? How do I uh, figure this out? How do I solve X, Y, or Z? And then you just fucking do it. Yeah. I also I also feel like how many times have you tried to cheat something in a script because it was easy and then you were caught by like your producer or your writer's group or your manager like, no, Josh, yeah. you can do better. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Totally. I know that happens to you all the time. I get tired. I feel like, look, I've seen this in other movies and they get away with it. But that is definitely a trap. And I think something we do in TV is we always like kick the tires of all of our ideas. And mm -hmm. right now, for example, this is very much present in my week where we're in the stage where we're putting up note cards for our first season episodes of this new show I'm working on. And they're up there and they're these like, uh, basically they're, they're little like sticky notes that we're moving around and we're adding things. And what we do is you, you pitch it. Like once you have your, 
episode one up there, you, you pitch it to the room. And as you're pitching it, everyone starts to realize like, ah, you kind of were stuttering in this part because yeah. it's weak. So like, we need to, we need to kick that tire. Okay. We'll go back to that. You keep pitching. All right. You find another thing over here. That's a bit weak. And then you fix those things and then you pitch it again and you do it again and you do it again. And until you feel like, okay, that's an episode of television. And I think if you're not forcing yourself to constantly find the better idea and not just stick with the first one because it's the first one that you had, then you are kind of being a bit lazy. And that's kind mm -hmm. of what he's saying is that like you need to force yourself out of that lazy zone and where you're kind of doing mediocre work and find the better idea. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to get out of that, uh, especially yeah. when you just want to like push through, but somehow yeah. you have to do it somehow. I, I don't fucking know how. I don't know. It's hard. And I think like the other takeaway I have from this quote is, is that, um, kind of do the things that scare you, mm -hmm. right? Like you have to force yourself to walk into the fire a bit, right? Is what he says. And he mentions in an interview that he was really terrified to come to America and to make an American movie, which would be Thor. It was a huge budget, obviously a ton of pressure, but he did it anyway. And I've always been a fan of doing the stuff that scares you. And it's, it, what sucks about it is that it means when you're doing this amazing thing that you love and you're so grateful that you're able to do it, you're also dealing constantly with fear at the same time. So it's not like, and he talks about this too in a lot of his interviews is it's not like when he, he went on to Thor and he, he was like, Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was like, no, it's bad. <laughs> but like you deal with it while you're doing this amazing thing. So that's also, I think a big part of our business as well. Yeah. Agree. Number two, put the first draft away for a while. He says, I will write a draft and then I'll put it away for a year or so, even two years or three years. And then I'll come back to it and read it and I'll go, who wrote this shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a tricky because I love to, I agree. You need to put the first draft down. We even talk about this with notes where when you get your notes, you have to kind of just leave the notes for a little bit and then come mm -hmm. back into them and then you can understand them. But it's so hard to do because you're so amped up on this script and a lot of times it's the only thing you're writing and and this only this is like your baby and you just want to work on it work on it work on it but you you don't need to but it is very helpful to take a step back from it just i wouldn't say for as long as he said but for any amount of time if, if even if it's like a week or two weeks yeah. or a month just let it let it breathe for a little bit yeah there's definitely a lot of caveats to his way of doing things and yeah you and i definitely have scripts we put away for years and I'm sure if we came back to them, like in our uh, episode a few days or a few weeks ago where we pitched our old ideas, I think we can bring them back finally. <laughs> um, but for the most part, people can't wait two or three years to like make money off of a script, right? So, yeah. and also he doesn't have the luxury to do this on his assignments like Star Wars or Thor or yeah, any of, of his TV shows. This is all just for his specs. But yeah, I mean, a, a week. And the thing is, is like, this is so hard and why so many producers need to understand the writing process better because as we've talked about so many times, your when you get a job, your first draft is about a 12-week writing period. And through that, it's going to be a lot of time where you're not actually writing, you're researching, you're planning, and you have to allow for moments like this where like, I need a week off just to step away from it and then come back to it fresh because as I've been texting Josh all week this week, having to really cram these drafts that are due this week, like it just becomes words at a certain point. Like mm -hmm. I have no idea if it makes sense and I'm correcting grammatical errors and I'm trying to trim where I can. But beyond that, like I cannot see the forest for the trees. And it's kind of like 
when an actor is just doing take after take after take where their lines just become sounds like that's <laughs> how you get when you're a writer too. And so, yeah, it's so important if you're able to build in weeks into your writing process where you're just not writing, mm -hmm. that's part of the writing process too. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Number three, why so serious? He says the world needs stupid shit. We need the ridiculous. Who wants to go see a film that reminds us about how terrible the world is? We need an escape. I totally thought of you on this one. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always think about why I'm into movies, personally speaking, and it's because of like Spielberg, Zemeckis, these movies that were an escape. And whenever now I, tr I find myself writing things that kind of have some, you know, slant where I'm it's just where it's too serious and it's like it's like making me uncomfortable i always just leave it i'm like mm -hmm. we've been in writer's group and someone's like well what are you trying to like if anyone's like what are you trying to say no, about the world me. yeah yeah probably <laughs> i'm like i'm not trying to say anything about the world i'm trying to make you forget about the fucking world for like a minute yeah, but I mean, it's a, such a careful balance though, right? Because you want to be completely escapist, but you also want things to be relatable, not relevant. It doesn't have to yeah. be relevant, but it can. It has to be relatable. So there's a balance. Can I say that I feel like that relatability comes from characters? Absolutely, and that's exactly. That, as opposed to... Um, like big themes and ideas. Big and, themes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of... I, listen, rightfully so, I read a lot of things that are um, really pressing hard on the political front and there's always like a subtext and that's totally great and i really admire that when people start going down that road but for me personally when i start like doing that it actually makes me like want to throw up because i read mm -hmm. about this shit in the news every single day and the last thing yeah. i want to do is write about this shit but the argument to that is like there's a responsibility certain people have and maybe there's a certain my, my fucking point being is before i like cancel myself <laughs> is that i like to escape <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the beauty of our business is it allows people to escape and have fun and get away from the bombardment of news. Is there an obligation for someone to, I mean, like in this climate that we're in, do you kind of have to touch on very obvious experiences that people are having or like the world? And by I the way, I think there's an obligation. Okay. But I think we have a unique platform with which to talk about them in ways that are palatable and that explore new ideas and new ways of thinking that masses of audiences can come see. So it's not an obligation, but it's an opportunity if you want it, I think. Yeah. I agree. Whatever you just said, I agree with. Moving on. <laughs> okay, number four. Embrace your failures. Failure is a brilliant thing. It teaches you a lot of stuff and you end up coming up with better ideas when you fail at things is what he says and this is my favorite <laughs> because yeah failure is is you know this week i have been all of my this weeks in writing are coming into play yeah this week i have both listened to an amazing podcast called dead eyes which is a podcast about this actor who, during uh, the filming of Band of Brothers, he was cast as a very minor role. And Tom Hanks personally said, that actor has dead eyes. I don't want him. And he was fired off of the oh. movie. And that failure was so difficult for him that he quit acting for like 
two decades and he would do kind of small like stand-up shows and stuff like that but he just quit acting and so this this podcast is about a like his own failures and how he's dealt with failures and kind of come out the other side and and found maturity through that and also talking to other actors who have failed miserably and um like john ham comes on and talks about the time that he failed or was fired off of something. And so oh, it's, cool. it's very interesting to hear these different actors talk about what they learned from those failures and how it made them stronger. And on the flip side, I've also been listening to a, a podcast called Hidden Brain. And the episode was about how this idea of failing and then the failure makes you stronger is a very American idea, <laughs> which mm. is interesting because I've always felt this way since I was younger that uh, when you fail, you absolutely learn from that and you it's it's like when you work out and you tear your muscle a little bit and then you eat some protein and build it stronger like that's how <laughs> it feels to me um and, and i definitely and we've talked about this many times personally as well as on the podcast feel like a lot of our our failures in screenwriting have just made us better writers and or kind of business people for our screenwriting career yeah 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 i'm with it so don't be afraid of it i mean this dead eyes guy he he, he stopped working for, for like 20 years because it, it like so devastated him. Um, but it's so part of the process. It is. It's so, and it's also much easier said than done. Uh, to 100%. Be like, hey, you know, that deal just fell apart. Don't worry about it. You'll get them next time. You're like, what? I just worked three yeah. years on this. What are you talking about? Or yeah. if like the failure is personal where it's not just you didn't get the job, but there's like a comment like for him, it was so devastating because Tom Hanks, his favorite actor told him he had dead eyes. So what if the, like the equivalent was Tom Cruise reads your script and is like, this action is not fun. It is not good. Yeah. That's like personally devastating yeah, to no. have that happen to you. And how do you recover? <laughs> you got to, but you, yeah, you have to somehow some way but yeah it's much easier said than done also i feel like i don't know if, if i'm wrong about this it just it really feels like people rebound a little better now like than even like 10 years ago like i i feel like there's now a community like even screenwriting twitter for mm. instance like there's people who are like patting each other on the back and being like get up dude you're fine i hope that's true i also wonder if it's not because we've matured as well and we're older and like Mickey Fisher was talking about in our episode when we interviewed him, he's like, when he first got into this business, he was just a bit older than most people are when they first start. I think he was like in his thirties rather than in his twenties. And he had just found a maturity level where like if he failed or people were cruel to him in any way, yeah. he was able to move on quicker and repair that in himself quicker. When we're younger, it's just fucking harder everything is just you're just so emotional and it feels like the most important thing in the world yeah, that's 100 yeah again grow out of it a little bit again you're right you're right <laughs> <laughs> but i hope the people on twitter who are like thank you for this community it's really helped me out of my writer depression this week i hope that yes that they are finding community somewhere that we didn't have when we were in our 20s coming up that's true devastated by notes <laughs> I, i'm gonna be honest if i had the screenwriting twitter community in my 20s and i would like voice out a failure even though i wouldn't do that then but if i did do that i yeah. would and someone was like josh it's gonna be okay my natural reaction would be like shut up you don't understand <laughs> yeah. i am an island you will never understand yeah <laughs> 
You guys don't get my experience. No one has ever experienced what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on to number five. Five. Don't just read the brilliant scripts and watch the classics. His quote is, learn to embrace bad creative experiences, watch bad movies, read bad books. All of that stuff sometimes teaches you what not to do. How do you feel about that? You agree? I agree. I do too. And you know what's interesting? With scripts, any script that I read, I feel like I take something away from it. Mm-hmm. I really do. I'm, I would never call a script bad, you know, because people work hard on these things. But there are scripts that people perceive to be like classics. But then when you read other scripts that just, you know, get sent to you or whatever the case, you, you always pick something up, even when you don't think you're going to. If you're clo- mm-hmm. if you If you have somewhat of an open mind, there's even if it's like a scene or a way someone did something or we've talked about this a, a bunch where it's like, uh, I forget which writer it was, but the way they laid out their action. I forgot the script. Mm-hmm. Probably uh, nobody by Derek Holstein. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Holstein. it was it was all Derek. So anyway, <laughs> I agree with that. Just always stay open-minded and, and, and try to read everything. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I mean, nothing to add, I think. Even... Okay. Even the bad scenes, you learn like, oh, now I know not to really introduce my characters that way because it's not working in this script. What can I do to be better? And when we do have script clubs for Act Two, a big question I like to ask everyone is how would you, sure, it's easy to say I don't like this thing, but how would you do it differently? Like what is the lesson you learned from reading how it didn't work to help you with your next script so you don't fall into the same trap? And that's always important to, to ask yourself when you're watching anything that's not great. Agreed. Moving on. All right. Number six, do the front end work first before you type a single word. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give his quote, but it's not like the best quote in the world. Okay. Quote, how I write is, I'll start with the beginning and the end visually like this would be a cool way to end the movie and this would be a cool last image for them to see this would be a cool first image and this would be a cool way to open a film and then i'll just start putting some scenes throughout and eventually when i've got enough scenes and sequences in then lazily just glue them all together with some sort of connecting scenes then when i know what that is i can write really fast this is crazy to me when i read do the front end work before you type a single word i just read that as outline yeah. And then I read his quote and I think he's kind of underselling his process. I might I be wrong. So I don't know. Obviously, he and I haven't hung out in quite some time, so <laughs> I don't I don't know his process. But I ha- I hate I hate when writers say this because this can't just be true. You can't just throw scenes in and then I'll stitch them together. Like it is grueling. I literally tear at my face and hair as Mm -hmm. I'm trying to piece scenes together because it's hard. Yeah. The way the movie ends and the way it starts is usually the first stuff that comes to your brain because that's kind of what inspires you is where where a a movie begins and like a cool fucking ending you're going to show people and surprise them with. But yeah, it's not just laying in sequences. That being said, Working in TV, that is exactly how the process works, right? You will start with, I know I want this in the movie. And it's often your first image, or it might be your your big midpoint reveal of your season. I know I want that in there. I know I want to hit this beat. You put those cards up on the board, kind of like what he's talking about. And then you're like, okay, well, if I want that to be my big midpoint reveal, how do I get there? 
And that, those are the right questions to be asking. But like the casualness with which he gives this quote like really bothers me because this, it, it undermines, I think, all the pain that most writers go through to get here. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. It kind of reminds me of his one character from Thor. Yeah, the rock. Yeah, the rock guy. Do you? Guy, yeah. He, he, he was so casual and he's just kind of like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that sort of reminds me of what he's doing here. But um, I completely agree with you. And I feel like you need to outline, you need to get things down on paper. And it's more than just throwing things up on a wall. But having said that, maybe I'll give it a shot. We'll see. Okay, moving on. I'm going to read number seven. Don't try to emulate someone else's screenwriting journey. Do you? And I love this one. Here's this quote. The great artists don't try to copy and replicate someone else's career. That's incentive to stick to your own guns and follow your own vision and do your own thing. Uh, I feel like we've talked about this before. I really like this. Did you ever, when you got into this business, think that's a screenwriting career I want to emulate? Um, when I got in, I didn't try to emulate anybody's particular career. Right. Um, but I did look at people's path and their, prog uh, you know, their progress and where they started, but it's, it's impossible. It really is impossible to like do exactly what someone else has done because there's so many outside factors. It's interesting because I do feel like I got a lot of advice when I first started that was, and it was often from people not in the industry, I think, but it was find the writer whose, whose work that you love, whose like screenwriting career you wish you had and then try to do what they did. I very clearly remember people telling me that as like, that that will help you find a path forward because it is, you have no path. Everyone's path is so different in this business. There's no like clear way to the top, right? So that was one way people tried to help me was to emulate someone's journey. And that always confused me because when you start to try to piece A, like how do you even piece that together? Um, you find all the interviews you can on New York Times or wherever they're they're interviewing and, and see what they did. But um, it's, yeah, everyone's journey is so different. And this person might have gone from, um, you know, an assistant to a producer and then became a writer. And you're like, oh, well, then I'll do that. But that might not be right for you. And you might not in any way gain the experience you need to write the movies that are closer to what your voice is. I will say this. I did once try to emulate, like I looked at J.J. Abrams' career. And of course, I've looked at like different careers, but like I've looked at his career. But like he wrote his first script in college with a friend. Uh, I think it was called Gone Fishing. You know, he went on to something else and then, and then he wrote to Armageddon, then he created Alias. But like, that's just impossible to do. So there's just so many uh, moving forces that I think uh, are, it's just, you can't predict what's going to happen. I mean, what do you think? Do you follow a direct path? Is that the advice that you would give to someone? No, I don't think that's the right advice at all. And I do know a lot of younger writers coming into the business who, again, are getting that same advice. So like, Take Taika's advice. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's the right way. Pull what you what you need from those other people's journeys. Anything that's helpful, but definitely forge your own path. Okay, number eight. Even the pros suffer from self doubt. Quote: Writing for me is a very lonely part of the process. I usually do veer between crushing self doubt and an overwhelming sense of triumph. Done. Moving on. We've talked about this before. Done. <laughs> okay. Number nine. Always search for the better answer. And his quote, I do think there's always a better way if you're open to it. I love this. 
I love this because we've talked about this before. Yeah. That I feel like you can get advice from anywhere, anywhere that you're open to. It's so easy to ignore things because you don't want to hear it or you don't want to dismiss like a bad producer if you get a bad producer's notes. Yep. I do that all the time. Honestly, I've come <laughs> to you with a note that I think could be bad and you're like, like I tell it to you and you're like, no, that's a good note. But because you're so closed off and you're so close to things, you sometimes tend to just kind of want to ignore something, but you have to be open because good notes can pretty much come from anywhere. But yeah, your, your instinct is just to reject something. That's how, I mean, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, this, this just happened to me this week in the writer's room, like since the beginning of when we even started having conversations about this story, I had a very clear opening in mind and it was going to be amazing. And I'm writing the pilot. So I'm like, I can't wait to write it. It's going to be awesome. And then yesterday we're putting up cards, like I said, and we're pitching it out and finding holes. And one of the writers goes, don't kill me. But, and I was like, oh, I already know what you're going to say. Cause I could tell too, like there was a part of me that knew that this opening wasn't working for what we ended up developing for the character. And yeah, he pitched a new idea and it was brilliant and he was right. And it was just a much stronger opening for the character and it hurt. Like I had to physically go in and like delete that card and it was painful, but also there was a sense of relief because the better answer had presented itself and now the story was going to be stronger. And you really do have to let go of things that don't work. And it's so hard. I feel the push against it every time it happens. We're like, don't fucking tell me what my story is. And then you're like, ah, they're so right. So right. And this happens from outline process. We're in editing for Tomb Raider right now. It's happening then where I'm like, I want this line. And they're like, Tosh, I don't think you need the line. I think the visual does it. I was like, I want the line. I put it in there for a reason. And then they edit it in and like, okay, Tasha. And I'm like, you don't need the line. <laughs> so like always be open and listen. And I think the big lesson I've learned, and I'm sure Taika is this way as well. Like, even though you're an auteur or you have a strong voice and you're this professional, um, you listen to other people and you take in their, their input. And that's what makes you a better creator. Number 10, last one, challenge yourself. Quote, I like to find things that seem dangerous to me, things that feel that I'd be nervous for most of the time that I'm making it. Yeah, this is what we talked about. We've already talked about this. Do the things that scare you and you're scared the entire time, <laughs> but it's worth it. We did talk about this. And I would say that challenge yourself. Whatever you're doing, uh, you know, challenge yourself in your writing. And if you're kind of jumping out of a genre, uh, and you want to write something differently and you want to challenge yourself, make sure it's still in your own voice. So if someone reads it, they're like, yeah, this is, this is Tasha's script. All right. We did it. Okay. And I'm actually going to jump in with the quote of the day, Tasha. At the end of the day, the reality is we're all losers and we're all uncoordinated. We're the worst of the animals on earth. And there's something quite endearing about that. Takai Watiti. All right. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm Josh Hallman on Instagram, Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.